0: Amen. Have a seat. How are you guys doing today? Uh, wasn't that a cool video? That was really really cool. All right, we are uh, starting a new series today. So if you're visiting with us, we're glad you're here. I uh, hope some of uh, some of you that uh, were there last week at our we had a great time at the park last week. Wasn't that fun? Uh, so, I hope some of you are back here today. Uh, it's a great, great time to visit with us. Perfect time as we are starting a new series today. But a few things coming up here just to make you aware. We are here at Lawndale the next two weeks. So, uh, just uh, hopefully, it'll be a little warmer next week. But if not, you can bring your coat just in case. Uh, but we'll be here the next two weeks at Lawndale. Then we're back at uh, Miracosta for two weeks November 23rd and the 30th, which is uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, we're hoping my dad might preach for us on uh, Thanksgiving weekend, that would be cool. And then uh, December 7th, we're back here at Lawndale, and uh, so we got kind of a lot of stuff going on. So uh, that website right there, make sure you bookmark that, you have that on your phone, and uh, there is a calendar on that website, um, and it's all updated with where we'll be. So we're here two weeks, Maricosa two weeks, back here one week, and then... December seventeenth, we're going to meet in house churches for worship in the morning, and then we're doing something different in the uh, evening. We're going to have a Christmas play, and uh, we're putting a lot into this Christmas play. Uh, Gina Stickley, who's a part of the church here, is an amazing a director, and she's organized it all. Uh, we we commissioned a brother who's in the New York church to write this play. It's a full play, a cast of twenty five people plus, and uh, you know, a rehearsal schedule of like. Three, four, five rehearsals a week from now to December 14th. So a lot of stuff's going on. We're, we're putting a lot of resources in this. So here's how you play a part. We are the host for this play. And it's open to the whole region of the Coastal LA region, which is, if you're visiting with us, we're, we're partnered with about five churches in the, in the, the LA, Coastal LA area. And so this is kind of an event for all of us. And in order to make this work, we really need for everybody to bring somebody with them to the play. And this is a great opportunity for somebody to kind of come in contact with our church and kind of get to know who we are a little bit, but without it being a worship service. And it's not a real preachy play; it's kind of a, it's kind of a silly play, but it's it, with a good heart. You know, it's sort of like you know the silliness of Elf uh, with the heart of the Grinch or something. You know, like it's sort of. It's it's like it's a it's a fun fun play and you're gonna have a great time but but uh, we really need you guys to support it. Now here's the here's the movie poster kind of thing that we're doing, printing a bunch of those up, and uh, it's called Night at the Nativity. So it's kind of like Night at the Museum. You know how uh, in the Night at the Museum, if you have seen that the museum pieces come to life in the at nighttime? This is kind of like that. Only it's the nativity scene that comes to life, and so it's not the actual Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus, but it's. It's like the statues come to life, and it's really funny. So anyway, it's going to be a great time. Everybody's been putting a lot of work into it, so we really need you to do your part to support it if you would. All right, so the new series we're doing today is called uh, Some Things Never Change. We'll talk about eating butter in a minute. Okay. Some Things Never Change. Uh, And uh, this is a, uh, what, what we're doing is looking at timeless principles of life management. Uh, with this series and uh, you know there's a lot of practical stuff in the Bible there might when people think about God or they think about um, you know spiritual things a lot of times they think about you know the book of Revelation or they're really into angels or demons and kind of these different you know interesting and, and and deep spiritual concepts but there's actually not that much in the Bible about that stuff what the Bible is mostly full of is practical things about how to live your life. So that might, you know, it might seem, oh, well, that, you know, a lot of times you ask somebody who is just new to the Bible or, or just new to God, that you say, what are you reading? They're like, oh, I'm reading the book of Revelation. <laughs> you guys ever have run into that? Revelation is a great book, but it's pretty deep and it's pretty hard to understand. And there's not a lot of the Bible that's like that. Most of it is just, here's how to live your life, just basic principles of, of life. And so we're going to be looking at that. And I don't know about you, but I appreciate the fact that there are some things that never change. I appreciate the fact that there are some principles that we can cling to because everything around us is always shifting. And even the experts change their opinion a lot. Uh, like this this uh, Time Magazine article came out a few months ago. I, I subscribed to Time Magazine and read this article. And, and this article is all about how in the 50s, all these people are, are dying from heart disease and diabetes. And so they start this campaign. They go, okay, this is caused by fat. Fat is the problem. We have too much fat in our diet. But but really, the, the science behind that was kind of, it, it was not done well, but it became this train that just started running. And so they, they put together the food pyramid. A lot of us my age grew up with the food pyramid, remember that? With all the carbohydrates in the bo- bottom, and then, you know, you kind of work your way up and just a little bit of fat, but lots of carbohydrates. And anyway, th- this article is really interesting because it talks about how there was this huge message that fat is bad, carbohydrates are good. And, and it was a big kind of, it was sort of a ex- social experiment that really failed. What actually happened was diabetes went up by 165%. And so, uh, you know, the, the, this huge push in, in carbohydrates, it, it was not good for us. And fat is actually not as bad for you as they thought. And in fact, you need a little bit of fat. And fat from some things like fish or Uh, uh, you know, other sources is actually good for you, Uh, avocados or or nuts and things like that. So anyway, my point is that even the experts can be so sure of something, and then a little while later, they're really off. Uh, I I ran across this. This is funny. This is an advertisement from the 50s. Can we get some audio on that? I'll back it up.
1: You know, if you were to follow a busy doctor as he makes his daily round of calls, you'd find yourself having a mighty busy time keeping up with him. Time out for many men of medicine usually means just long enough to enjoy a cigarette. And because they know what a pleasure it is to smoke a mild, good-tasting cigarette, they're particular about the brand they choose. In a repeated national survey, doctors in all branches of medicine Doctors in all parts of the country were asked, what cigarette do you smoke, doctor? Once again, the brand named most was Camel. Yes, according to this repeated nationwide survey, more doctors smoke Camels than any other cigarette. Why not change to Camels for the next 30 days and see what a difference it makes in your smoking enjoyment?
0: All right, now I don't condone that. The views are not expressed are those, not those of the South Bay Church. Uh, but you know, the opinions of even the experts change. But some things never change and, and the Bible is based on these timeless principles that we can rely on, which that's, that brings security to me. And it's helpful to know that like we talked about last week, God wants you to be successful. Now he wants you to be successful spiritually. He wants you to flourish spiritually. He has your best interests in mind. Those of you who are ki- or parents of kids, think about how you feel about your kids. How you really want them to flourish and you want them to do well, don't you? And you want them to put your, their energy into the things that get the most return. And you want them to base their life on principles that really count. And and, and you want them probably to to avoid the mistakes that you made, and you want them to do better than you did. That's the way we feel as parents. Well, God feels that same way about us, that he wants us to do well. He wants us to flourish. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants our lives to make a difference. And so when he gives us these principles, they're principles that we can rely on. And as we talked about last week, Jesus is God's principles in the flesh, God's logos, God's uh, rational view of things. In the flesh, we, we have Jesus, we have God's word in the flesh in Jesus. And so we're going to be looking at Jesus and some of the things he said in Luke chapter 12. We're going to be spending all our time in Luke 12 with this series. And then from there going back to the Bible Jesus read, going to Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and some of the Psalms, and looking at some of these wisdom passages that were the Bible that Jesus read as he was growing up and seeing how you can find what Jesus taught in those Old Testament scriptures. Does that make sense? So we're going to look at Romans, uh, Luke 12, rather for a little bit today. Uh, and uh, here are the lessons coming up today. The title of the lesson is "You Can't Take It With You." You can't take it with you. Uh, next week, the week after that is "You Only Live Once," uh, which the teens know that as what YOLO. Uh, after that, "What Goes Around Comes Around" is week three, and week four is "The Best Things in Life Are Free." So these are some slogans that you hear in in our vernacular, but then we're going to refer to these timeless principles in the Bible. So look over in Luke 12, verse 1, if you would, and uh, I'm going to say a word of prayer, and then we'll jump into reading here. God, thank you for your holy scriptures, and that uh, they are available to each one of us on our phone, or on the internet, or in multiple versions, multiple translations. Thank you that you've made the Bible so available to us. It's amazing that so many people don't read it, God, when it is so available, uh, I pray that we can be men and women of the word. And I pray that you'd speak to us through Jesus' words right now. God, open our hearts to what he has to say to us. God, uh, please remove any distractions and uh, help us to fully receive your message right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Luke 12, verse 1. So this is kind of a snapshot right in the middle of Jesus' ministry. And uh, some of the teaching that was recorded by uh, the book of by Luke, the doctor who wrote this uh, this gospel, and and, and uh, Luke twelve verse one it says. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered, so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, "Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed." or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the, ear of the in, in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you shall, should fear. Fear him who, after killing the body, has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, Fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But he who disowns me before men will be disowned before the angels of God. So, interesting passage. There's a lot packed in there. I'm going to move this down a little bit. It's sounding kind of distracting me. Bear with me here. I think that'll be a little better. I'll take this off, too. All right, so uh, what I'd like to encourage you to do is, is uh, read Luke 12 on your own this week. There's so much in here. that We don't have time to really dig into it as much as I would like to today. But read Luke 12 on your own. But he's saying here, uh, in the first part of Luke 12, there is going to be a judgment. And everything will be made right. And here he says... Watch out, be on your guard against hypocrisy. Be on your guard, the, the, the Greek word there is like, uh, be very careful, it's sometimes translated, or, uh, or, or be, on, be on watch, or, it's this idea of being vigilant, be on guard, watch out for hypocrisy. Why? Because it's so easy for hypocrisy to creep in. And the, the religious people of Jesus' day were hypocrites. Jesus called them hypocrites. Now, when he called them hypocrites, it didn't mean for them what it means for us today. We, we all know what a hypocrite is, but that wor- is a word that he borrowed. It just means an actor. They had a, a, they had a, a theater back then, and a lot of times the theater in the, in the Roman Empire was very vulgar, but, but they, they were into theater, and, and the actors would play these roles. And so he says, these religious people, they are actors. In other words, what you see is not them in reality. And he says, be on guard against being like that, because that's, that's what, as the more that you, you kind of get into being a, a disciple, the more you get into following Jesus, the more time goes by, the more you can fall into that, into kind of being one person on the outside and another person on the inside. And so it's so important we stay cleaned out, we stay open, we stay real, we stay vulnerable. If you're visiting with us, we, we're, we don't just come together on Sunday, but we, we're organized into small groups. We have community groups that meet during the week. And within those community groups, we all have what we call discipling partners where we get with somebody else and just talk about our life. And everybody here should have somebody they get with every week or every couple of weeks. And why is that? It helps us to not be hypocritical. It helps to have somebody you can be real with what's really going on. That keeps us cleaned out, and, and we're, we're not here to judge one another. We're not here to look down on one another. We just coach each other and help each other to be as best, best as we can spiritually. But we all need that. We need somebody we can be open with, because Jesus says, what you whisper will be proclaimed from the rooftops. What does he mean? I think he means that basically everything is going to be disclosed. I don't know what that means or how that's going to happen, but he's saying whoever, whatever secrets you think you're hiding they will be found out. Everybody is going to know the real you, and, and the, really the only person that matters who knows the real you is God, right? And God knows the real you anyway. So why not be open with what's really going on in your heart now? Why not be real with, with who you really are now? Because, uh, you know, the, 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 that's God's perspective anyway. And then he talks about hell. He says, don't fear, don't fear the world. Don't fear the, 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 the humans that, that can hurt your body. Fear, fear the the possibility of going to hell. That's Hell is not a topic we like to talk about. It's not real popular in our culture nowadays. In fact, the popular thing is believing that it doesn't exist. Uh, well, you know, if you were Satan, and and you, and there is a real Satan, and there is a real hell, wouldn't you love it if people didn't believe that either you or hell existed? I mean, that's exactly what you would want. And And, 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 and yet Jesus talks about hell quite a bit, so we can't say... You know, who are we to say? Well, I know he talks about it, but I don't. I don't think he really meant it. Or I mean, who am I to change Jesus' words? He's God's word in the flesh, right? And so God is who He is, and God again, He wants us to flourish. He wants us to do well. So if Jesus is saying you need to fear hell, I think we ought to fear hell, right? Uh, even though it's not popular, even though it's not PC. I mean, He says you should fear hell. So that's kind of. I mean, that shouldn't be the way we operate all the time. Like. Everything we do is just because we don't want to go to hell. But I think it's a great baseline. It's like, again, as a parent, I want my kids to fear me. Is that the way I want them to operate all the time? No, no, no. But that's the baseline, that they know that they're not going to cross, you know, that they need to respect me. They need to fear me. That, that, that there is a, there, that's kind of at the bottom floor. And then you move up from there. Love and joy and, and we have a lot of fun and we have a blast being together and relationship and all that. We talked about that last week. God wants a relationship with us. But that floor level is steer, still, I don't want to mess with God. If he's the creator of the universe, he can be whoever he wants to be. And yet people try to make God into their own image or they try to make God into who they want him to be. And yet, God is who he wants to be. He's the creator. And he tells Job, uh, in one passage, he says, would you discredit my justice to justify yourself? That's what people do. They try to discredit God's justice. Say, well, God's not fair, or God's this, or God's that. Why? Because they want to justify themselves. And and we can't do that. God is God, and so thank God that he's graceful, right? Right? Thank God that He became a man and died on the cross for our sins so we could, all of our sins could be washed away and we could be with Him forever. He, he loves us so much, He wanted to provide a way for us to be in heaven with Him forever. Praise God for that. And so, so what He's trying to get us to have, I, I believe, in this passage is to have an eternal perspective. And, and so I have one point for you today, that's build your hopes on things eternal. God wants us, Jesus in this passage, he wants us to build our hopes on things eternal. He wants us to have an eternal perspective, not a here and now perspective. And so he goes into this next story that I think will help to illustrate what this means to build our hope on things eternal. So look at the next passage here in uh, Luke 12, same, same section there, but skipping down a little bit to verse 13. Luke 12, verse 13. Could you take a little bit of the low end out? Maybe it's kind of ringing. It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very life, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. You know, he, uh, he starts out by, the, the, the whole thing starts with this, this person who says, says to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It's, it's his one chance. I mean, can you imagine getting to interact with Jesus himself? A chance to talk to Jesus. And where, what is on his mind? Money. What is on this guy's mind? His possessions. And, uh, and, and Jesus says, be on your guard against greed. Just like he said, be on your guard against hypocrisy. Here he says, be on your guard against Greed. You know, the Bible says in Colossians 3, 5, greed is the same as idolatry. That greed is the same as worshiping another god because you are, you are worshiping something other than god. god. Wealth should be used to worship God and not to be worshiped itself. And, and when, when we're greedy, we're worshiping another god. And, and, uh, and greed really is a total neglect of the eternal perspective. Because you're, you're, you're wanting so much something that is here and now. How many of us have seen greed destroy a family? How many of us have seen greed destroy a family when someone dies? You know, that's kind of what's happening here. It's, you get the, the picture that this guy and his brother, they're, they're fighting and they can't resolve it. And he wants Jesus to step in and resolve this argument over money, this argument over inheritance. And, uh, I mean, as a, as a minister for, for quite a long time, I've gotten to do, uh, be involved with families when there's a death in the family. And, uh, and it is, you see the true colors come out sometimes and it's so sad, uh, the way that, you know, what, what's really in people's hearts. I mean, we had a, a friend of ours who, who, uh, lost, uh, she, she lost her, her mother was very ill for a long time and then her father kind of suddenly died and, uh, it was more unexpected, and then her mother died. she lost both of her her parents and then the the kids the, the, the family was very wealthy. the kids were were fighting over the the wealth and it became really it became litigious. they were hiring lawyers and going lawsuits and all of this stuff and it just man, nothing was more heartbreaking for this sister than going through that with her family i mean it it just was it it, it just caused her so much pain and so much grief because of the the greed that was there in the family. And, and, And so Jesus is saying, watch out for that. He doesn't want that in our hearts. He wants us to build our hopes on things eternal. And he says, watch out. Life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Aren't those great words to live by? Timeless principles for eternity. That life is not about what you have, is it? And we know that. We kind of give mental assent to that but do we really live our lives that way? And do we, do we really face, you know, face the decisions we have with that kind of perspective? Now, this guy, uh, he was very successful. Is it a sin to have a successful business? Of course not. God wants us to do well. In fact, the Bible says, whatever you're doing, do it with all your heart as though working for the Lord, not for men. If you, if you have a... A successful business, amen, that's great. God wants you to do well in your career. God wants you to do well to bring him glory. But the problem was that this guy didn't worship God with his wealth. He worshiped his wealth. And, and really, some things never changed. 2,000 years later, isn't this the same as our society? I mean, this, this guy basically exhibits the American dream. I want to store up more. I want to store up more. Uh, You know, the average house size in America in 1950 was 1,000 square feet. In 1970, it was 1,500 square feet. And in the year 2000, 2,200 square feet. So what are we doing as Americans? We're building bigger barns. I need more stuff. (coughs) The average family size in America has actually decreased by 25%, but the average home size has more than doubled. Why? Because we want more stuff. Uh, I go to Starbucks a lot. Uh, I do a lot of Starbucks Bible studies, and it's a great place to meet people. And so there, I've noticed, I know where all the Starbucks are all over the South Bay. You know, there's, there's a bunch of them. I know where each one is, you know. And uh, there's a lot. But did you know that there are five times as many storage facilities as there are Starbucks in America? So for every one Starbucks, there are five storage facilities. So, so not only are our homes huge... We don't have enough in our homes for all our stuff, so we've we got the storage facilities for more and more stuff. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing is, as we look at this story, we can kind of think, oh, well, that, 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 that rich guy in the story, yeah, that's the rich people Jesus is talking about. And yet, when you look at the world, I think, as Jesus looks at us, we are the rich people. You know, we really are. I mean, most, most people in the world live in... in, in in what for us would be a storage facility level. You know, there's no, it's made out of cinder block and tin. There's no running water, there's no electricity. That's the way most of the world lives and that's where we store our stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? So we are the rich people. And so again, it's not wrong to be rich. You can be righteous and rich. You can be unrighteous and poor. It's all a matter of how you view this stuff. And so that's what this series is going through. It's helping us to have the right perspective. But I really believe when Jesus thinks about us, thinks about the rich, he's thinking about us. You can't take it with you. Uh, let's keep reading here in, uh, in Luke 12. Uh, I, w- I want to say this you know, uh, this analogy of this fool and why God calls him a fool. Um, I-, I was trying to think about this. I was trying to think, what, is, what does that mean? Why does God call him a fool? Because God loves us, right? He wants us to do well. Um, He he loves everybody. Certainly, God loves this guy. So why does God say, "You fool"? Why why does God have that perspective? I think it's because he he he, because of his love for the guy. You know, because where the guy's focus is, it's very foolish. And uh, I was thinking about this, and I was sitting at Starbucks and uh, working on this lesson. And as I'm as I'm working on the lesson, I overhearing this guy uh, next to me having a conversation. You know, sometimes people are on the phone and they're kind of loud. They don't realize you can hear everything they're saying. And uh, so he's on the phone, and he's got his computer out, and he's looking at all this stuff and talking to somebody. And it sounds very, very important. And sometimes he would go outside uh, and talk to the person outside so he could be a, lo- a little louder and then come back in. And he was talking about, you know, defense and the offense and these different positions and, oh, I, I want to move this. I want to do that. I- they-, they have the best running back. And, and so as- I'm like, oh, this is cool. This guy must be like a high school coach or something. And he was really into it. You know, he's talking about all this stuff. And, well, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. And, I mean, it's like an hour-long conversation that this guy's having with somebody else on the phone. And he's doing all this stuff on his computer. I'm like, maybe he's, like, making moves on his computer, different positions and coming up with different plays. I don't know. I'm like, this is cool, you know, to be right here by this coach as he's figuring out strategy and everything. And then right at the end of the conversation, I realized that the whole conversation was about fantasy football. And so... I don't want to alienate any fantasy football people here. I know there are some of us that do that, but it just, suddenly, my view of this guy's, you know, what he was doing for the last hour, it kind of, oh, <laughs> it's fantasy football. <laughs> I thought he was a high school coach and figured out all this stuff. I mean, there's a reason they call it fantasy football, because it's a fantasy. It, do, it doesn't have real meaning. I mean, you could possibly win some money, I suppose, but, But I think that's kind of how God is thinking about this fool. He's going, you fool. You're putting all of this energy and all this time and all this resources into setting yourself up when your very life is going to end tonight. And so it's all just a fantasy. The thing that you're putting all your effort into, it's foolish. And so I don't want that to be me, and I don't want that to be you. I want God to to not look at us and say, you fool, but but for us to be people who are rich towards God. So what does it mean to be rich towards God? What should he have done with his money? Um, you know, what does it mean to be rich towards God? And, and, and what should his perspective have been? It's interesting, this is the only place in the Bible that explicit, explicitly deals with the idea of retirement, right? Because what the guy was trying to do was retire. Isn't, isn't that what he was trying to do? He goes, I want to have enough stuff that I don't have to work anymore, and I can just be retired, So that's kind of interesting. Okay, this isn't a very positive view of retirement. Does God not want us to retire? No, I think it's about perspective. And I appreciate, you know, you never retire from being a disciple of Jesus, right? But if you can set yourself up financially to be able to not have to work anymore, that's awesome. And there's people in the, more and more people in our church who are doing that. Like there's a brother in uh, in the Long Beach ministry that's our sister church over there in Long Beach named Edmund Sapinosa. He was able to retire... And now he's, he's like full-time doing worship ministry, he's doing all this stuff for the church, he's like, he's devoting himself to God, he's like this full-time minister now as a retiree, which is really cool, you know, he was at camp and he was at, uh, teen, he was at the, 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 going to the camps to play bass and doing all this stuff that he couldn't do before. When he had his career and there's others you know among us i know tom novak recently retired and he's leading a community group and and doing you know stuff for for the lord and and uh, cheryl kaiser we went to her retirement party last uh sunday and uh, cheryl lived with us for a long time it's awesome that she retired so she's like i want to get involved with hope i want to do this i want to do that now she's training to be our our mini gina stickley here helping with the uh, tech stuff so she's been training and wearing her headset and following gina around and learning you know, she, she wants to use her retirement for God. So I think that is being rich towards God, right? It's not, there's nothing wrong with retiring. It's all a matter of what, 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 we sh- what our perspective should be. Here's what I think Jesus wants our perspective to be here in Luke 20, uh, verse 22 of verse 12, uh, chapter 12. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, therefore means because of the story I just told you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storerooms or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed Like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much will He clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows you need them, but seek His kingdom, and these things will be given you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourself. That will not wear out. This is not just lady purses, but this is guy purses too. Talking about money. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted where no thief comes near and no moth destroys for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, Jesus wants our perspective to be eternal. He wants us to build our hope on things eternal. So that's what he's talking about. He's talking about being able to have security that nothing can take away, no one could take away the treasure that you have. Build barns, but build barns in heaven. Store up grain in heaven. Uh, Focus on things that nothing can take away. But it requires us to kind of open our mind to God's view of things because he talks about a kingdom here. And yet the kingdom Jesus came to bring was not a physical kingdom. It was a spiritual kingdom. And so Jesus is always talking about this alternate reality. There's something different. There's something spiritual going on that you can't immediately see. It requires eyes of faith to see. And that's how treasure in heaven works. It's, it's, a, it's something beyond the here and now and, and this dimension. Uh, you know, when I try to think about how does God think about things, I think about science class sometimes. What is matter, really? I remember being in science. This is uh, the, the, the little sign that there. says says, subatomic research the hard way. He's trying to blow apart some, some piece of something. But I remember being in science class and being told that matter is really nothing. You guys remember that? You know, maybe the teacher banged on, a, on the desk and said, this is just made of little particles. I'm getting blank stares. You guys like science, right? <laughs> I mean, science, science tells us that this stage is nothing. This stage is made of nothing. Like, it's all empty space. It's just that these, these particles are related to each other by math, and so it creates this barrier, but it's all just space. Now, now maybe I hope I'm not blowing your minds there, but <laughs> matter is really nothing. It's just math. That's what matter is. It's math. Yeah. It's these particles that... that, are, that Anyway, I don't want to get too into it. But I remember being in science class, and my mind just being blown like, whoa, what is matter really? So if God is the creator of all of this matter, and he's the one that, you know, he's beyond space and time, and he understands all of this, then he's the one that's going to tell us what really matters, what really is going to, have the most impact on our life? What is it that we should put our efforts into? And we want to put all of our resources and all of our energy and all of our time into stuff that's here and now that really even science says is just nothing. Even science says it's just a bunch of whirling particles and yet God is wanting us to put our our hope in things eternal that will last forever. Because the the environment is, is shifting and so we need something we can cling to that doesn't change. Isn't your environment shifting all the time? I mean... Part of it is that I'm getting old, and uh, some of you guys are older than me, and you're like, "Yeah, young whippersnapper," but uh, you know, don't tell anybody. But Clay and Jana got engaged this week. We're not announcing it till next week because uh, they're announcing it in Long Beach, so don't tell them I told you. But uh, but they came <laughs> they came over to our house on Wednesday. It was so cute. They just gotten engaged, and uh, so they were we were looking at our wedding album and uh, my uh my wife was saying she was pointing out my dad in the wedding album and saying you are the same age now that your dad was in our wedding album and so i'm like no (laughs) no way that can't be true and i'm like well no i'm one year younger than my dad was in my wedding (laughs) with him but you know time is just flying by and, 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 and you can't hold on to it. I mean, we went to our, our very last elementary school Halloween parade. Eleven years, our last one. You know, it's just like, oh, time is flying by. But praise God that we can build our life on things that are eternal. Amen? So let's look back. Let's look at an Old Testament text here. Uh, Jesus mentioned Solomon. Solomon was dressed in splendor, he says, in verse 27. So let's look at something Solomon said uh, in Ecclesiastes 5. I'm going to throw it on the screen there so you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but if you can't, that's great. So Solomon lived in a palace that took 13 years to build. He sat on a, on a throne made of pure ivory that was overlaid with pure gold. He drank from a gold cup. Uh, they, they think he had the equivalent of billions of dollars. He was the richest man in the world at the time. Uh, you know his his uh, his average. Uh, it talks about like what he would eat. Uh, the daily menu of his household included 100 sheep, 30 oxen, in addition to all this other stuff. I mean, he had a lot. He had 40,000 stalls of horses. So he was in a position of being able to tell you whether or not wealth buys happiness, right? And yet, here's what he said. He says, "Whoever loves money," this is Ecclesiastes 5:10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of the laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much, but as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners or wealth lost through some misfortune so that when they have children, there's nothing left for them to inherit. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. You know, you can't take it with you. No matter you want to, no matter how much we think we can, you can't take it with you. I remember uh, being in the hospital with uh, one of the disciples here. His father was dying, and so uh, I went to, you know, he was staying there at the hospital with his father, who was on a ventilator and kind of towards the end of his life. And uh, I went there to visit the brother with his father, but somehow I missed him and he had he'd stepped out. So it was just me and this man who I didn't know, uh, you know, there in the, in the hospital bed. And I, I was sitting there for a while waiting for my friend. And, uh, you know, it was, I, I'll never forget that moment because this, this guy, this guy's dad had been kind of tough on him. Uh, they'd had a rocky relationship. The guy had shared his faith with his dad many times and tried to, to reach out to him, but his dad was very closed off, very sh- shut down to, to God. And here he is, you know, nobody's there. He's just dying alone in this hospital. He died a couple days later. And, and it was just the saddest thing. I was just like, wow, this is, this is how we leave Earth. You know, with nothing, we, you know, any of any money he had didn't matter at that point. Anything he did didn't matter at point. You know, all that mattered at that point was where he stood with God. And I just remember sitting there praying. You know, I didn't even know the guy. I'd never even seen him before. I'd heard my friend tell stories about his dad many times, uh, but I'd never even met him. And here I am sitting in the room as he's dying. It was just kind of surreal. But it was one of those moments where I go, God, I, I just, I want to build my hope on things that are, that are eternal. I. I don't want to live for this life because this life is so short. I'm sure this guy didn't, didn't even know that he would pass so quickly. And, and he was just living life and going on. But God wants us to, to have something that's beyond that. He wants us to have an anchor for the soul. He wants us to have something that's eternal. And, uh, and, and so if you think about your life, you know, as we think about our life, a lot of times we think about, okay, you, you go, you're born, you go to school, you go to college, you get a job, you get married, have some kids. Now, this isn't everybody, but a lot of people. You get a better job, kids start school, maybe you buy a house, maybe you get a second job, kids start college, you refinance your house, kids get married, take out a second mortgage. Their kids have kids, you're a grandparent, wow, you retire, your kids move back in, you go find another job, then you die. And then what happens? You know, that might not be everybody's life. But that's how we look at life, right? Uh, this is a slide my friend uh, Marshall Mead put together. So here's, here's another way to look at life, okay? You're born, you die, and then there's eternity. And that line just keeps going. So your life is just this little, you can't even hardly see it, but that's a little red little sliver there. You know, that's the way God's trying to help us to look at, at our life is what really matters because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. I mean, you might think, I'm going to live a long time, but a lot of people don't. There's, a, there's a, somebody in our ministry, a 20-year-old kid who just died this last week, one, a, a child of one of the families in, 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 in the Latin ministry uh, in a, motor, a motorcycle accident. I guarantee you he was not planning that. You know, he had no idea. It's just, we just are not guaranteed. And so, Jesus says to that, uh, Jesus' story, the, God says to the man, you fool, You're, this very night your life will be demanded from you. I don't want that to be me, I don't want that to be you. I want to build my life on things that are, e- are eternal, don't you? And so that means focusing on eternity, focusing on heaven. And I don't know all that heaven is, and we, we don't have time today to dig into different ideas about heaven. Uh, my daughter, Cora, had a, had a dream about heaven this last week. Uh, she said, uh, I had this dream about heaven, and it was really cool, the world ended, and she said, we, we, uh, we just, it was kind of like this whirlpool, it was this white whirlpool, and we all just kind of jumped in and got sucked into this whirlpool, and then we ended up in heaven. And she said, it was, uh, was kind of similar, there was houses, and, and, but, but the, the street was all clouds, you know, the floor was clouds, and she said, and the walls were made of candy. <laughs> she was like, Awesome. She said, I, you know, she said, I, I didn't see God, but I did see Jesus. She said, but I forgot what he looks like. Uh, but, you know, the, the, we, we have, eternity is, it should be on our minds, and should be on our hearts, and there's, there's an email I'm going to send, send to everybody. If you're into this stuff, there's this cool article I read that's all about uh, eternity and heaven, and kind of science and laws of, of physics and stuff like that, and, and, you know, time and how, you know, the time is, is relative and all that kind of stuff. It's really cool for people that I really enjoy it, but based on what I said about matter uh, a minute ago, I, <laughs> a lot of you would be, like, not enjoying it at all, so I'm just going to email it to you because about 10% of you are going to love it. But I do think thinking about heaven is important. And so that's what this series is going to do, this, this uh, four-week series. We're going to be talking about our stuff, in terms of eternity and how we should view those things, uh, focusing on eternity. There's a, we're going to talk about prosperity uh, view of things versus a poverty view of things versus a stewardship view of things. And I don't have time to go through this spreadsheet, but, but we'll be doing this in the weeks ahead. And this is from a, a book called Your Money Counts. And uh, it's a great book that we went through uh, all together. If you're visiting with us a few years ago, uh, we did this series called Crown Financial, and we all went through this book. I, was, I looked online I noticed this book is for sale for only $1.99 at barnesandnoble.com. I, I wanted to buy a bunch for all of you, but there's a limit. You can only buy one. So I'm telling all of you, so if you don't have this book, I'd encourage you to go ahead and buy this book. Uh, buy it online, $1.99 plus shipping, and then uh, you know, to refer to it as we're going through this series together, and we, that, that uh, spreadsheet we just looked at is actually found in this series. Uh, Build your hopes on things eternal. Uh, I want to close with Jesus' words. He says, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail. Uh, let's, Let's be men and women who build our hopes on things that are eternal. Amen? Amen.